It's time for the Hockey Minute, your source for all of today's hockey news with some opinion. Strap in for the fastest news in the NHL. This episode is proudly brought to you by fucking nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Now, here's your hosts, Brandon and Ryan. Hey, I'm your host, Brandon, and here with me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. And today we have for you the final part of a three-part series on the NHL trophy race. Today we're going to take a look at the Lady Bing and Jack Adams Awards, but first, let's start with the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. This award is given to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Named after Bill Masterton, the only player in the NHL to die as a direct result of injuries suffered during a game. That's nice. Not nice. We're just going to leave that. Uh, Robin. <laughs> kind of a yeah, dark, exactly. Uh, dark. Robin, Robin Lehner was uh, last year's winner. And uh, generally how this works is the teams will present uh, their uh, elected nominee for the Masterton, and then uh, it gets awarded from there. Now, the teams haven't actually awarded, uh, pardon me, haven't nominated anybody yet. So we're just going to go through and kind of name our nominees for who we think uh, may deserve it this year. So, uh, Ryan, uh, who, yeah. who, who are you thinking for the Masterton? Well, yeah, it's because you never know what guys are going through in their personal lives. And because every team has to push someone through, I mean, sometimes it's just a guy that had a bounce back year. But I was doing some research on this and there were four four names that stood out. And I'll just kind of go through them quickly. Uh, Jacob Markstrom plays, uh, you know, goaltender for the Canucks, likely the team MVP. But uh, in November, his father passed away. And, uh, you know, he, he came back and he just absolutely stood on his head. I mean, you know, the Canucks are in a playoff spot or in the playoff hunt, I should say. Um, mainly because of his play. Um, Eric Halla, I didn't know this, but apparently earlier this year, his uh, his unborn daughter passed away, and uh, he still has put up 24 points in, in 48 games. Right. Um, so that was kind of, I don't know if that was really noted. Um, Stephen Johns for the Dallas Stars uh, hadn't played a professional hockey game in two years due to oh, some headaches, right. some kind of post, yeah, yeah, yeah. post-concussion, yeah. and, and uh, he got called up in January and has stuck around. Um, and then the, you know, kind of the, the obvious one, and I, I think is likely going to win this is Connor McDavid, just based yeah. on the, the story around it. But he had, I mean, that, that leg injury could have effectively ended his career, if not just changed it uh, drastically. Um, he came back earlier than anticipated, still came second in the league in points. Um, and really, I hate to, he almost looks better. You know, it, it looks like he, uh, whatever he did in that off season, if you've watched the documentary, uh, he's just, he's he comes back. He looks healthier. He's still, he still does the same stuff too. That's the thing. He still drives the net at full speed. And yeah. I get a little nervous watching him, but, but it, obviously that hasn't messed with, uh, his view on how he needs to play. So, um, those were the four names that, that I think are, are kind of in the mix here. I mean, did you have any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, you actually just reminded me about Steven Johns. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that story. And I, that's such a man like 22 months being sidelined with post-traumatic headaches and then to still make a comeback like i i don't i'm sorry man i would have given up <laughs> like fuck this shit i'm going to do anything else because this is brutal like i just uh i mean i've had a few concussions and dealing with the post-concussion stuff is no fun and i don't i don't have a life that requires that level of physical activity right like that's 
it's it's a that's a, a climb that not many people can appreciate and the fact that he did it just to give it another shot i mean he's obviously a fringe player anyway right it's not like he's expected to come back and be a star he's he's just trying to grind it out and make it and i just have so much respect for anybody who can who can you know pull that off and by the sounds of it he managed to come back and, and stay back right he wasn't in and out in and out so yeah i mean that's that's such a wonderful story um and then of course yeah you're right uh i think mcdavid is is probably who i would who i would nominate just because i mean i, I realize he's a star in the league and that People already know who he is. He's super prominent, but I don't think people fully appreciated the scope of the injury that he was dealing with, or the the, the scale, and and for him to make that recovery that we've all seen now from from the the, the documentary and come back, like you're saying, looking even better. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to give it to anybody but McDavid this year. Yeah, yeah, and it, like I say, it's it's one of those. I don't know how they even really vote on this, but all those guys that I mentioned uh, just have great stories. Um, you know, stories of tragedy and then overcoming. But uh, I think that just based on, you know, just based on the fact McDavid's star power to come back and do what he did, I mean, uh, not quite on the level of Mario Lemieux coming back from, from cancer or anything. <laughs> it's, but, it's close. You know, when you, you, you know, it is because when you look at, you know, what's, I mean, when you say the name Connor McDavid, you think of his speed. And yeah. he had a severe leg injury that like I say it could have changed everything for him he might have had to alter his game entirely but um like I said it doesn't look like he's missed a beat so I think he'll probably get the award um you know I, I think that for some of the other stuff uh, you know the Eric Halla thing obviously that's that's tragic yeah, um yeah. but it, just as a comparison and I don't you know we don't need to get into it too much but as a comparison Eric Carlson had the same situation and, and Eric Carlson, you know, he, I don't even think he was nominated, let alone considered to win the Masterton. No. And it's, it's such um, a hard thing to try and like compare grief, right? Like what a, right. That's a, that's a really weird pissing contest. So it, you know, I think it yeah. makes people a bit uncomfortable in general, but I, I think you're right. Like the, the, the scale again of what McDavid had to go through is just kind of unprecedented, at least uh, for this year's candidates. Um, one other one that I think we forgot to mention is I believe Marc Andre Fleury's dad actually died this year as well, in uh, in, in yeah. November of this year. So, sorry if you, if you mentioned that before, but uh, that's just another no, another big no, loss. No, I didn't. I didn't have him there, but oh, yeah. okay, perfect. Yeah, but yeah, no, I didn't, and I mean, again, you look at Vegas; they're still in the mix, and and he's you know Fleury's a reason for that. He is, yeah. Although if you, it sounds like he was kind of having a bit of a regression this year, but it could be age as much as anything, right? He's he's. Um, far on the wrong side of 30 i think he's 38 or something like that right 37 38 yeah so he's uh he's he's kind of on the on the tail end of it but yeah he just he, he needs his due for that as well all right so that that's going to take us to the lady bing trophy which is awarded to the softest player in the nhl oh wait wait sorry no it's uh awarded to the player who exhibited outstanding sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability Named after Lady Bing of Vimy, the 40 vi- 40th Vice Regal Consort of Canada who donated the original trophy to the league. Last year's winner was Alexander Barkov, who is uh, not really known for being a soft player, but uh, he took the award anyway. Uh, Ryan, who's, who's your choice for the Lady Bing? Well, I take offense, first of all, that you called it the softest award. So I, I had, I don't know if you remember this, but back in like 2006, Esso, the gas station company, they came out with these medals, okay? 
and I was playing Bantam AAA this year that, that year and uh you know for those that maybe don't know that's that's you know the highest level you can go at the Bantam level and it's physical hockey and so they had these there was three medals it was like basically the equivalent of the heart trophy the most improved player and then the equivalent of a lady bang and you know nobody wanted to win the the you know the the quote unquote softest player and i was sitting there at my end of year team dinner and they said uh, you know the 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 most i think it was called like the most gentlemanly or something like that <laughs> and i'm sitting there and i i kind of knew i'm like man i only had like four hits this year in like 50 games so i, I kind of <laughs> felt it was going to be me <laughs> Oh, no. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, they're going to call my name. And sure as shit, they called my name. And I just, uh, everyone was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. Way we, to go, Ryan. You, we all knew. We knew. Yeah. You know, like, here's a guy, just a giant <laughs> pussy. So, um, but you know what? Hey, there's, uh, that was a medal. This is the Lady Bing. So, hey, listen, um, I, I, I narrowed it down to three guys. And again, it, we don't we don't have the actual nominees here. Um, so I did some digging. Uh, the three guys I chose, Braden Point, he had 11 penalty minutes this year, uh, had 64 points, plays almost 19 minutes a game for Tampa. Um, then, it, you know, Austin Matthews, eight penalty minutes, 47 goals, 80 points is obviously the, the number one center there in Toronto. Uh, and Nathan McKinnon, too, 93 points, as we mentioned before, but he plays 20 minutes a game or over 20 minutes a game only had 12 minutes in penalties so wow. those were kind of the three guys in the the spirit of the award um it's kind of who has the most offensive output with the least amount of penalties so yeah yeah uh, those were my three and uh, i think if i had to pick i you know just based on the fact matthews was in single digits and penalties playing uh you know most of the year still put up 47 goals i, I gotta go with him uh, i don't even really watch a lot of toronto games which is surprising because they they're kind of forced down our throats but I don't see a lot of physical play from Matthews and he's a big guy. Like he's, you know, comes in at about six, two or six, three, it seems like. So yeah, he's, he's big. He's surprisingly big, I think. But yeah, you're right. He's a very, very soft, like soft player. Maybe it's the style that the team plays. I, I probably watch 20 to 25 Leafs games a year. And I'm, I, I mean, I watched, I'm sure Leafs fans will remember. I watched a game versus Buffalo. Oh geez. January, February, but it was like, I, I don't think I saw a hit all game. Like it was like they're they're flying through the slot uncontested. It's just the uh, you know they're what they're they'll maybe make a, a, an attempt at a stick check, but there's just there's no physical contact. And maybe that's the way both those teams play, or maybe that's just the way the East is. As I'm not exposed as much to the East as I am in the West, but like I was I was blown away by how soft the game looked. It, it looked almost like an exhibition game. Like it was it was wild. And that's a rivalry game too. Like you need yeah. You know, you want guy, you want guys to be blown up in those games. Exactly, exactly. Uh, my, I'm I'm probably going to be boring in my uh, in my pick here for Lady Bing. It's it's hard for me to get away from basically the same arguments that I would have made for Ryan O'Reilly on 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 the the Selkie Trophy. He's ten pims all year, sixty one points in sixty nine games. Like he's he's playing against the toughest competition, putting up great numbers, and still manages to keep out of the box. And he he's still playing a pretty gritty game, right? He's not. He's not soft. I mean, St. Louis is anything, they're, they're no. anything but, right? He's probably playing on the grittiest team in the league, and he manages to <laughs> keep it wholesome. Maybe it's it's because he's got so many other teammates doing the nasty shit that he can kind of uh, lay low, or, you know, like his cross-checks don't look as egregious as uh, as some other people on that team. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to go away from Ryan O'Reilly, but one quick thing on uh, Nathan McKinnon, I didn't realize he had that that like that few pims. Like he's just an absolute animal out there. I I can't imagine him not getting penalized just for bumping into somebody too aggressively, right? But well, yeah, good, good for him. Yeah, that 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 was surprising too because you think about how fast he is, how stocky he is. I thought for sure he would have caught somebody. Yeah, they kind of call penalties nowadays where it's almost like you hit a guy too hard and we got to call you for roughing. And yeah. to see he only had 12 penalty minutes, I thought, well, geez, that, and he, you know, you got to think that's probably maybe a couple of tripping calls or something where, you know, he's maybe a little bit out of position. It, I don't think he's had anything. I don't recall ever seeing an elbow or anything like that from no from McKinnon. And, no, and, and he's the perfect player to be that kind of dirty too. Like, you know, it's like, oh, shit, sorry. I'm, you know, I'm... <laughs> I move like a maniac. I'm sorry I accidentally <laughs> clipped you in the face, but he's pretty controlled with his uh, his massive massive frame. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, we're gonna move on then to our our final award here, which is the Jack Adams. And the Jack Adams is awarded to the NHL coach adjudged to have contributed the most to his team's success. Uh, named after the player, coach, and general manager Jack Adams. Last year's winner was Barry Trotz. Uh, Ryan, who do you have this year for the Jack Adams? Well. You know what? We we again we kind of narrowed it down to a few names. Um, I'll tackle the West, the the coaches in the West. Sure. And I, I had four. Um, kind of one guy's kind of a outside looking in. Travis Green. I mean, the Canucks are a dark horse playoff team. Um, we talked uh, before about Quinn Hughes, and obviously there's a, a youth movement in Vancouver. But I think that Green is the perfect coach for that. Anyways, mm-hmm. you know, he had a, a good career coaching in uh, the Western Hockey League. Um, so, you know, he gets a, he gets a nod from me, but, um, Paul Maurice in Winnipeg, considering the amount of talent they lost on their blue line, uh, he still has them in a a position. Uh, and I, I think that in a playoff position, I should say, but I think Paul Maurice really connects with his guys. When all that stuff was coming out earlier this year about the coaching, you know, the, the Babcock and the, um, Peters and, and call or sorry, in Calgary, um, Maurice kind of, you know, he touched on it. He said, you know, nowadays you got to switch it up. And Paul Maurice has been around forever. Like, he, oh, yeah. I think he coached Hartford. Yeah. <laughs> like, so he, he was a part of that, you know, back in the day when you could just bully your, your players. And now he's got these young guys coming in and he's, he's finding a way to connect with them. So I, I give him props for that more than anything. Um, Bednar in Colorado, um, second in the West with all the injuries that they had to keep players. And he's still, you know, got the most out of that crew. And then my last pick uh, for the, the Jack Adams is uh, Tippett in Edmonton. Yep. And uh, that's a team that the last, you know, you think about this past decade, how many coaching changes they've had, but the roster really hasn't changed. I mean, you, you still have your, your McDavid, your dry saddle, Darnell Nurse on the blue line, uh, Baum, who is often injured, it seems like. Um, I didn't, you know, I mean, what, Lu- trading Lucic for Neil, okay, well, that's maybe more of a lateral move. Uh, but it's pretty much the same crew, and yet for this, you know, for this season, he's got, you know, Tippett has come in and, and got the best out of that crew. So um, I think uh, if I had to go with my pick, I, I'm probably going with uh, with Tippett on this one. Yeah, and that's a, that's a fair pick. I mean, how many how many coaches have had a crack on that exact same roster or basically that exact same roster with little to no success? Yeah. You know, somehow he's managed to bring it together. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely a a fair pick. I mean, for me, I'll, I'll take a look at the ones in the East and uh, we'll start, we'll start with Sully in, in Pittsburgh. And I mean, 
the job that he's done with the injuries they've been presented with is honestly nothing short of miraculous through the year, right? Like their their total man games lost is right up there, but just the people that they've lost. I mean, like Brian Brian Dumoulin, Jake Gensel, Malkin's been down, um, Brandon Tanev's been down. Uh, John Marino, fractured cheekbone, like uh, Patrick Hornquist uh, with a knee injury. Like, they're just absolutely depleted, and they managed to keep chugging along. I know towards the end of the season, they were starting to falter a little bit, but uh, I just think it's hard to ignore the the job that Sully's managed to to do there, keeping them all on track. Um, and, and again, just like uh, like you were mentioning, for, um, for Paul Maurice, it, it seems like, despite being a bit of a gruffer guy, it seems like the guys really respect Sully in, in Pittsburgh, like they really want to play for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a brief, not personally, obviously, but a brief experience with Sully when he was uh, the assistant coach for uh, for the Canucks when Torts was here. And he just seems like a like a bright, bright hockey mind, so I'm not exactly uh, surprised to see how well he's doing in, in Pittsburgh, but... Obviously, uh, obviously, good to see. And then the the second one that I'll get into here is uh, uh, John Tortorella for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it's almost it's almost the exact same argument for guys that used to coach together. They're dealing with the same sort of thing for each team, right? I mean, Columbus has been completely depleted. Um, Seth Jones been injured for most of the year. Alexander Texier, um, Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, Nathan Gerby just went down. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens went out. Uh, Josh Anderson's hurt. Cam Atkinson's hurt. Right, like it's just uh, yeah. Jonas Corposalo. It, it, there's there's no there's no limit to their their injuries. They're playing with a, an AHL or ECHL team, and and somehow they managed to all bring it together. Like I, I heard Torts talking on uh, on a hockey show recently, and they were just asking him how how he's done it. How, like, and they're giving him the compliment of saying, you know, you've won the Jack Adams. You've done some great jobs coaching over your career, but this being probably your best example of coaching ever. Like, how did you do it? And he was just saying, we've had a lot of great buy-in from the guys. And I think it's a really good example of how good a team can be when they play as a team. And I know that's cliched, but like you, you see it, right? I mean, when guys start to try and do the individual stuff, it kind of falls apart. And, and somehow Torres has managed to keep them all buying in and believing that they can be competitive, which is the biggest thing, right? Like, how do you go against a team of superstars when you're looking at the guy next to you and you can't pronounce his name and expect that you're going to be competitive? And somehow he has. Like, it's it's unreal. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, and, and, and again, this is one of those awards that it's it's unwritten, but it generally depends on the team making the playoffs, like qualifying for the playoffs in order to even qualify for the award, which is something that we can't say for certain here. But, I mean... Even with all the uncertainty, I think John Tortorella would have to be my my personal pick for coach of the year. Yeah, and I think uh, you know I mentioned Tippett at West. I think Torts ultimately will win it um, because, like you said, they, not only did they have a lot of man games missed, but it's who they lost too. You go from Bobrovsky, who won two Vesnas in Columbus in the time that he was there, he leaves. You got Artemi Panarin, who was the team's best player. He leaves. Um, you know, I mean, we talked about it just before recording, but I mean, you know, there was one guy that I thought could take his team past that Tampa team last year, and that was Tortorella. Right. You know, that's that's the one guy. That's the one guy in the foxhole that uh, that probably looks at a team like that Tampa team and and says, "Guys, everyone thinks that we're we're screwed here. 
we're going to beat these guys. Like he just instills that belief. And, you know, he's kind of, I think he's that, that perfect balance between the old school and the new, because it seems like he really does care about his players, Yep. but he still has no problem telling him, you know, he can listen to any, you know, Nick Foligno's talked about it and Zach Wierenski's talked about it. Like sometimes, yeah, Torts comes in a little bit hot and he kind of gets, you know, kind of pisses you off, but you apply that. I mean, gosh, you know, I work in an office sometimes. Yeah. You're not going to agree with your boss but they're still going to get the most out of you. And I think Torts knows how to push those buttons. So I, I would agree with you. I think Torts probably deserves the win, and, and he's taken that Columbus team that really, I mean, Columbus has been around a lot longer than I've, I really give a lot of thought to. <laughs> hate to say it, but, right. you know, I mean, how many playoff series has they won in their 20-year history? They've won one, right? So he's, he's made that team tremendous, and he's, he's a Hall of Fame coach in my opinion. Oh, and I sure. think, uh, yeah, like he's, he's the, the, the winningest coach in history for, for an American, right? Yeah. And he's already got, uh, I believe he, he won a Jack Adams way back in yeah, you're Tampa. Right. Yeah. Could yeah. be wrong. Could be wrong. No, he's, that, he's but, definitely won it before. But, um, he's, he's my pick as well. I think he's, he's just done a great job with that team. Beautiful. Well, one, one thing I wanted to note actually quickly for Torts is, uh, you know, with all the, the me too stuff that was happening through hockey with all the different coaches, kind of getting lit up torts was a name that never even got mentioned and like he's a guy that you would think would be prime for it right for <laughs> for abusing his players in some fashion yeah. and it just it never happened so it, it seems like he at least toes the line or or he's got his players so shit scared that they <laughs> they're, they're never gonna <laughs> say anything because they know they're never going to play again. But uh, either way, he's, he's, done, he's done a good job buttoning that down. Oh, you know where you stand with him, and I think that's the biggest thing. Hey, since you're a big Canucks fan, though, the only Ports memory I have, really, I mean, because that, that was kind of a, a, you know, a year to forget. But, I mean, uh, the, the, the game against Calgary where he was charging, trying to take on every, every coach oh, yeah. on that team. I mean, did you like that? Because yeah. I thought that was... If I didn't like playing for him before that game, I would have been oh, yeah. running through a wall no, for I, him I, after that. A hundred percent. No, I, I loved it. Um, it probably wasn't, you know, like if I put myself in the shoes of the Sedines, I imagine they probably didn't look at it like that. But uh, me personally, I was thinking, you know, hell yes. Like that's that's exactly <laughs> what you want. It's like finally some fire, right? Yeah. And then, uh, like, I loved his quote after. It's like, well, what were you going to do if you got in there? And it's like, well, I was going to get him. It's like, what <laughs> the fuck that means? He was going to get him. Yeah. So right on. He was willing to go through Brian McGratton to try and get at the coach. So, I mean, I give him props. Yeah, I, I, Torts didn't do very well here, but he was right. You know, his whole message was the team is stale. It's old. It needs a big change. And it never came. So, uh, you know, I, I've still got a lot of respect for Torts. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us for uh, the end of our trophy series here. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time on the Hockey Minute. Thanks, guys. We'd like to take a second to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We couldn't do this without you. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on the Hockey Minute.